Coming to you from Silicon Valley, I'm Marcus Edwards, and I'm on the hunt for recruiting leaders, producers, innovators, and pioneers who've made their mark on the industry and can't wait to share their points of view. We'll tackle the tough topics and dig deep to find the answers you're looking for and some actionable advice you can take to the bank. So stick around and stay tuned, and welcome to Recruiting Trailblazers. Okay, so I'm very excited to welcome to the podcast today, Billy Davis. According to his LinkedIn profile, Billy is the staffing automation guy. He's an AI and automation product manager at Hearfish by Bullhorn. And essentially what he does is help recruiters increase revenue and efficiency by embracing automation. He also claims he's half robot. And if you check out his LinkedIn profile, you might just believe him. So anyway, it's my pleasure to welcome Billy Davis to Recruiting Trailblazers. Hi, Billy. Hi, Marcus. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. And I think we're going to have a great conversation around staffing automation. Yes, I'm on a bit of a staffing automation kind of bender at the moment because there's so much to talk about and there's so many avenues that we can go down and um, there's so many hurdles for people to cross as well. I think, you know, my job this year is to help people understand it a bit more um, as a part of the podcast and not be afraid to embrace it. Um, a lot of people already are. And I, and I think we should start off by, by talking about what staffing automation really is at a high level and what's the mindset behind it. Can you give us some sort of like some background? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think to start with in kind of the most simplistic form is staffing automation is a if this, then that functionality. So if this occurs, then that I want this to happen. So that unlocks, as you can imagine, a near limitless amount of potential. But that's the core concept. And then how you use that, and it's, this is funny because oftentimes I get asked, like, what do you do? And, and the best way for me to succinctly describe that is think of when you go to a doctor's office, before your doctor appointment, you get a reminder, you know, hey, just a reminder, you know, your appointment's in an hour, please confirm that you're going to come, right? A, a human doesn't send that message, right? That's all automation. So that's just one kind of use case, one example but I think most people can relate to, um, you know, where automation plays a role in, in providing a good experience. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's like it, automation basically describes how repeatable processes are performed at scale without further human interaction. Whereas AI is the intelligence that powers the automation and allows it to function properly. Is, is that right? Or um, are, are there separate use cases for each? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, the AI space is is definitely a kind of an emergent space. So it's not as well developed as automation. And I think that the most common applications of it today are in smart job matching, for example. So, so trying to provide relevant jobs to candidates, which obviously that's most of the time why candidates are interested in working with staffing firms to begin with. And then, you know, utilizing some machine learning and some other techniques to kind of hone in on that. And you can also get into some natural language processing, right? And you can start to get into chatbots and some of those types of things. But really, you know, that's that's kind of the AI space. And then automation space is, is really more you know, kind of programmatic where you're, you're kind of setting these things up. I think it really works well for the staffing and recruiting industry because so many things are repeatable throughout the journey. But then you consistently have to tackle scale as a problem. Right? With The more success you have as a staffing firm 
the more candidates you work with, the more clients are interested in your services. So you naturally get this growing problem of scale. Yeah. But let's just tackle this question as well at the outset here, which is staffing automation and recruitment automation isn't just for big volume recruiters or, you know, these big box multi-billion dollar agencies, you know, who are submitting thousands of resumes per week, because a lot of the people that listen to this podcast work for smaller agencies, boutique agencies, or in fact, they're independent recruiters, that there's a lot of relevance to both ends of the spectrum, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, increasing your efficiency, right, is something that every recruiter is interested in, whether you're a single user, you know, recruiting agency, all the way up to the enterprise level. You can amplify your impact if you can make more placements, make more revenue, provide a better experience while doing so, right? It's going to interest everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Is it possible to categorize automation into sort of like different areas of functionality that serve different parts of the recruiting life cycle? Because I'm sort of thinking like, you know, ATS would be one, database, you know, CRM, whatever you want to call it. Candidate experience would be another. Scheduling might be another. Sure. Um, how do you sort of categorize the opportunities that you have to automate these different parts of the recruiting lifecycle? Yeah, I like to think of it as, as kind of the pillars of automation. So we, we have three pillars that we kind of talk in and focus on. And that provides a nice high-level summary of kind of a bundle of use cases and opportunities that underlie it. So one of the pillars is all around data health, which is, of course, any ATS or CRM right? It's always going to have a data problem. Try to clean that up, make sure things are as updated as possible. Um, ensure you have the accurate information so you can act on it. So that one pillar of automation is around that data health component. So, so there are actually tools that allow you to sort of optimize your own database or ATS um, in order to clean up that data and it does it for you? Yeah, exactly. So some of those use cases could be, you know, uh, some deduplication, some... Yep auto archiving of, of candidates that you haven't contacted or are missing information. You can also enable kind of self service. So candidates and clients can update their own information, which obviously mm -hmm. is a recruiter's dream, right? When you get that updated information without having to ask. Isn't that called LinkedIn? <laughs> well, <laughs> getting it back to your ATS and CRM is the bigger dream, that single source of truth concept. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that is a bit of a dream though, expecting candidates to update individually in different databases, their, their records and their career. But, but yeah, it's a nice dream. True. True. <laughs> and then lastly, my, my favorite is, you know, taking information from one place that you know, and then putting it and filling in gaps of, of a place you don't have that information. So that can be different places in your tech stack, but it also can be different places within your own ATS or CRM. Can you give me an example? Yeah. So my, my favorite example of that would be, say you have a candidate that applies to a job, but you don't have information on their record about what job title they have, what desired pay rate they want, uh, what uh, location they're looking for, what skills, specialties, industries, categories, whatever type of key information you're looking for. You can infer and take that information from the job that they apply to and copy it automatically to their candidate record. So... It might not be perfect, right? But yeah. it's much better than having that information blank. Right. Understood. Um, and what about the whole sort of the talent intelligence piece of this puzzle? You know, candidate matching and automatic mm. screening of candidates, to job matching on their resume, et cetera. Is that a big part of what we're talking about here today? 
It is. Yeah, to, to a certain degree, I think getting where AI or machine learning is doing it is probably a jump ahead of something that would still be really impactful and beneficial. We're just doing that process consistently and in a standardized way, right? For many firms is kind of the first step needed, you know, to order un- unlock the higher level of efficiency. So that, that's what I've seen in my experience. Yeah. Um, as I said to you before the podcast, you know, I come from the era of sort of like one-to-one, very analog recruiting, pick up the phone, call your candidate, call your client, make the match, etc. Why do you think both big and smaller agencies and recruiters need an automation strategy today? What is the opportunity here and why should everybody be looking very seriously at this? Well, I, I think it unlocks kind of your optimal performance when you combine kind of and blend the benefits of both worlds, right? So if you're purely automated, that's not going to work because you can't, you can't fully replicate or replace the consultative impact of a great recruiter. But on the flip side of that, if that great recruiter is spending two, three, four hours a day on data entry, manual tasks, things that machines do better, right? If you offload that from their plate, it gives them more time to do what they do best, build relationships, you know, nurture candidates, clients, and have that consultative approach. So I think there's an opportunity for both. And your your example of kind of what you're used to reminds me of my very first week in a staffing chair. My very first task was I got a printout of a CSV file of 3,000 old candidates in our system. And I was told... Start at one and call all the way down to 3000 and then come back to me when you're done. Yeah, uh, that's, that's so funny because that's exactly how I started. <laughs> when I came to the US, I was working for a recruitment agency in London and I got offered a job over here in LA. And I remember my first day as well, because on my chair and my cubicle, there was a box filled with this massive printout. There was hundreds and hundreds of pages of companies and hiring managers that I was supposed to just get on the phone and call. And that's what I did for the first six months. And I landed a bunch of clients that way. It ended up working great because honestly, I came into that job a little apprehensive on the phone. But after those 3000 phone calls, I I was doing it in my sleep. So I think the main point of that story, right? There's some best practices of historical staffing and recruiting that work really well and that unlock that really consultative approach and great recruiting. But there's many things that could be improved, can be optimized. So it's about kind of finding that fine line between those two worlds and combining it to achieve better revenue and efficiency. Yeah. No, I like what you said. I think the idea behind automation, if it is to release recruiters to do what they were hired to do best, I don't think recruiters are hired just to bang out emails and emails all day long. I think the true value proposition of a good recruiter or a great recruiter is how capable they are in building relationships, in getting on the phone, getting on a Zoom, face-to-face, whatever, their ability to build relationships from the ground up. And I think if automation is there to release good recruiters, to do that part of the job a lot more, to spend more time in their day on the phone, on the Zoom, in front of clients, candidates, whatever, then it's an extremely worthy cause, isn't it? But there's a line which if you cross, if you use too much automation, if you try and over-automate, I've said on the podcast before, you can't actually automate relationship development. Do you think that's true? I do. I do. And I think that's 
that's why one of my kind of truisms and things that I think the ideal blend is kind of half robot, half human, right? So you take the benefits of both worlds, combining those together. If you go full robot, right, you're not going to have, you're not going to be able to build relationships. If you go full human, you're not going to be able to scale, right? So that's kind of that fine line. And I think in the, in the middle, as with many things in life, that's, that's where the optimal zone is. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and that's an exciting value proposition. And I think that um, it's going to become a big part of both small and large agencies over the coming years. And we're going to talk a bit about some of the AI advances that have been happening recently in a moment. Well, what's the biggest myth about automation in recruiting? I think the biggest myth, and we've touched on it a little bit here, is that it's here to replace recruiters. All right. right? And, that, and that's the big fear that, that you will see over and over again. And I've seen that from, from companies of all sizes, right? Is a recruiter is afraid oh no, this automation is going to replace me. My staffing firm isn't going to need me anymore, right? So I think that's the biggest myth to dispel is that automation is not here to replace the recruiter. Automation is here to optimize and amplify the recruiter. And, and, kind of, and then you know, ultimately, where you're going to find success with automation is when you get that internal buy-in from your, your staff, right? So you have to be able to show them how it's going to make them more money make their job easier and, and make their, their kind of work life better. That's a good point. You have to get buy-in, otherwise um, it's all going to fall down very quickly. Yeah. Um, so where do we start with this? I mean, where do you start the conversation? If I come to you and say, look, I, I, I need to start embracing automation and AI to, to speed up my desk um, in order to release me to spend more time doing what I do best on the phone with candidates and clients. Where does that conversation begin? Because I feel like there's a lot of trepidation and fear, mm. um, definitely in my generation. And I think in a lot of recruiters' minds, they're worried about losing that personal touch. And they're worried about what it says about their brand when they start to automate and you know, send out messages in bulk and do all the kind of stuff that maybe dilutes their sort of very well-crafted personal brand. Where, where do you start that conversation? So I think where you start, when I've seen it done best, is you don't start actually with the automation layer. You start one layer below that. You start with what, is, what are you doing from a business standard and process perspective you know, what's, what's important? What are kind of any of the pain points? Like you really need to understand what is their process? What are the systems that they use? Because then from there, you're going to be able to then use automation to kind of enhance that. Um, and oftentimes, if you don't tackle that foundation first, you're going to cause a bunch of problems when you try to automate on top of uh, a shaky or unreliable foundation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's look at a couple of the sort of basic functions that a recruiting agency undertakes on a daily basis and a recruiter specifically. Where does the functionality begin? What, what's the first piece of tech that you would say, this will help you speed up this part of your process and this piece will help you speed up this part? And I'm, sure. th I'm thinking specifically about, you know, the acquisition of new clients and the acquisition of new candidates. Yeah, so obviously, like that top of the funnel, you know, getting getting that inbound you know, into the ATS CRM. That's usually where kind of automation would start. There's sometimes yeah. some components before it where you can use things to kind of amplify and bring stuff in. But for sake of this, we'll we'll kind of start at when that record hits the ATS CRM. Um, so I think one of the places to start there is 
just on follow-ups or reminders for anyone that's not following or not going along a cadence, right? So ensuring kind of some safety nets that, that people aren't falling into what I call the ATS abyss, right? Where all too often, if, if you meet a great candidate or meet a great client, but you can't help them right away, if you don't have a system or process in place, oftentimes that person can go and fall into this ATS abyss where they collect dust and then you have to try to find them manually somehow later. Right? And when you do speak to them six months later, they have no <laughs> idea who you are. Or they do remember who you are and they're quite displeased uh, with right. being forgotten for six plus months. So it, that's a great step to do, um, you know, just to ensure those safety nets to make sure that's not occurring, that doesn't happen. What does that look like? I mean, obviously, you know, you work for Bullhorn, but do most ATSs these days have that, that cadence, that nurturing functionality, that ability to sort of drip sequence candidates once they're inside the database? Not typically. So it depends on your ATS and CRM. Some have those, those features inherently or, and some have some capabilities, but not, not more. So uh, in kind of in our ecosystem, in our world, that's a functionality of automation to create those drip campaigns and sequences. But then obviously the kind of where that becomes very valuable is those things become dynamic. So yeah. as engagement or interactions happen, right, uh, the candidate or client or lead prospect, they can move to different areas, different cadences, depending upon what's happening. So you can be very, very good with your segmentation, your personalization, uh, and kind of nudge the person along depending on what they need. Yeah. If you go even higher in the funnel at the sort of like the sourcing and acquisition of candidates phase... What can automation and AI do for you there? I mean, what I'm thinking about here is nobody likes spending hours and hours every day trolling through LinkedIn profiles. How can we get some help here to speed up that part of the process? Yeah, there's some, there's some really cool things out there that help with some of that sourcing. And you know, where you, put, you put in some, some data where you're trying to find this type of persona or skill set. And it'll kind of passively look. And if anyone matches, it'll bring that to your attention. Um, there's other things that will also look out into kind of an integrated marketplace or ecosystem and see if anyone that's in your database has updated any information about themselves. And if so, we'll automatically grab that information and then update it in your database. So your update kind of your database updates itself. So I, I've seen that work really well. Um, and and oftentimes, you know, that top of the funnel where you're acquiring you know, incorporating new individuals. That's where like a chat bot can come in handy as well, where you're capturing um, leads or interactions that are coming to your website, for example, uh, and then, you know, getting them, getting them into your system, getting them into your flow. Yeah. Yeah. You just said the chat bot word. That's technology that's accelerating at an absolutely crazy pace right now. And I think everybody by now has probably heard of the open AI technology chat GPT, right? Absolutely. I'm sure recruiters and recruiting technology vendors are looking at that and thinking, wow, we need to embrace this and build tools around it to, to enable our clients to be able to do some pretty incredible things. What, what does your crystal ball tell us about this chat GPT technology? Yeah. And it's really, I've played around with it a bit. I don't know if you've had any Me too. experience. Yep. Yeah. It's fun. And I mean, you see some of the, the benefits of it by playing around and you see some of the limitations occasionally when you go into different areas. I think... If I shake my crystal ball, what I think is the biggest impact of it is it's going to be an amplifier for people that are doing essential and fundamental things well. And it's going to be a little bit scary. It might replace some people that aren't doing those. So I'm thinking of like job descriptions, for example. Yeah. Where 
a bad job description can get replaced, I think, today by just typing in the right prompt into chat GPT. Right? And it'll, it'll spit out a job description that'll probably beat a, a mediocre or below job description. But there's still a, a really important role in place for a great job description that, that the AI is not there. It's not there and kind of knowing the industry yet or knowing the specifics to kind of craft that. So I think yeah. that's an example where it's not all doom and gloom, right? There, but where you kind of see how it can separate depending upon what you're doing. Yeah. And I think it's how you use it as well. I've played around with chat GPT and there's definitely some techniques. You, you've got to ask the right questions and pose the right problems. Um, if you just say, write a JavaScript uh, job description and you don't give it anything else, then it's going to be completely random. But if you do sort of give chat GPT the specifics and tell it to include this, that, and the other, then it will spit out something that's actually quite, it'll spit out something that's actually quite clever. And then all you're doing is editing because, you know, who likes writing job descriptions? So I think there's, there's going to be plenty of use cases. Um, the question that I wanted to ask you is that it is in fact so clever that I think it could fool, you know, many of us into believe that we're texting with a human being if that chat technology was put inside a chatbot, which is, which is where it's all going right now. Is that where it's headed? And is that even ethical, do you think? If I think I'm speaking to a human, but in fact, I'm talking to a machine, do you think companies should be very transparent that it's a chatbot? Or given this level of intelligence, do you think it doesn't matter? I think it depends upon kind of the use of it. You know, I, I think in in general, though, I think transparency is a good idea. Yeah, but me too. And, and where I've seen kind of chat or, or AI work really well is in kind of transactional type things, where you're entering very specific prompts to your point earlier, and then you're you're getting the answers that you that you kind of want. Like, where I think it crosses perhaps an ethical barrier is if you're thinking that you're talking with a human who's providing you advice or guidance, and it ends up being. AI or a machine doing so, right? I think that's that's where most people would feel um, would feel differently about kind of the ethical implications of it. Um, and I, I think the kind of the boundary AI machine learning, I think definitely could take over chats, text messaging, emails, perhaps even. But of course, so much of the value that recruiters still bring is on the phone, is face to face. Those types of interactions obviously won't ever be able to get. Well, I shouldn't say ever because I have seen some very good deep fake videos um, for like Zoom or something. But I think that's still where the human element will will reign supreme. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I I think that you know the demise of the recruiter has been predicted many times in the past, and it never happens because, as I've said on the podcast before and earlier today, you just can't automate that that relationship development piece, that very, very human touch that, that we all give our candidates and our clients and that reassures people into, you know, believing that they're headed down the right route and, but also giving them the information in ways which is palatable and asking the right questions. I mean, the most mm. important thing that a recruiter ever does is ask the right questions of both candidates and clients so that they have a true understanding of what that person needs and then they can deliver that. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of transactional recruiters out there as well who are in the volume recruiting game. And so that's not quite as important. But for the type of recruiting that I'm specifically referring to, you know, I think it's critical to get to know your candidate well and to really, you know, figure out the nuances that's, that are going to motivate that person to want to, you know, take a new role or potentially leave and 
do something different. So, yeah, um, I think that's that's actually one of the the most I think unexpected benefits of automation that I get really excited about is kind of almost cloning or spreading best practices amongst your whole business. Because and obviously, you need to know what the best practices are before you can spread them. But if you have a superstar, top performer recruiter in your business, if you study what they do, break down how they, how they do what they do, you can then use automation, for example, in your reminders to other recruiters about what they, what they need to do in different stages. You can feed in what the best practices are from your top performers. And in that way, you can kind of get some consistency, but also a greater adherence to overall best practices. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. What are some of your favorite tools that you've seen in recruiting automation so far? And include your own, of course. Yeah, I've, I've seen some great things. And I, for me, it starts... because I, I like to think of things kind of logically or sequentially time-wise. So, I mean, one of the first places I think of, especially in this, this world, staffing and recruiting-wise, is a recruiting website. Because so many people come to your website to find information, find out who you are. They want to know what testimonials do you have? What reviews? What do you do? Look at jobs. There's so many different functionalities that a recruiting website tackles. Uh, and I see some really strong staffing and recruiting specific tailored website companies that do a great job. So one of them is called Staffing Future. Uh, and, and one of the kind of the hallmarks of what I, I like to see is an integrated uh, website. So that stuff that's happening on the website will then go into your ATS CRM and create this single source of truth and seamless experience. So I've seen, seen them provide some great websites. A, a company out of the UK called Sourceflow uh, does as well. There's actually a company down in the Australia, New Zealand area called Shazam that does some, some really great work as well. So those website-wise are three that, that are really great. What about recruiting marketing automation? Is, is that something that you're familiar with? Yeah, I've had some experience and dabbled in, in some of the, the bigger players. So like your, like your Pardot, for example, um, some, some of those things. And, and if, if you're experienced with some of the, the bigger kind of marketing um, automation tools that, that are out there, you know, Marketo is another example, uh, you'll, you'll notice some similarities between what kind of staffing automation does and, and, and what they do. Then obviously, they take it to a different level on, on purely the marketing side. Um, so I've, I've seen those those get deployed and, and work quite well. Have you heard of Candidate ID? Yes. Yes. I, I know that team well, um, Jan and, and company. And they, they do some great stuff. Yeah. Adam Gordon was on this podcast as well, talking about recruitment marketing automation, which is interesting because if you can get people to your website, then recruitment marketing automation can sort of take over and, and really get to know that person and take them on an individual personalized journey until they, they receive whatever they need out of the... Um, the experience. It's a very interesting field, recruitment, marketing, automation. So, um, 100%. what else do you see coming down the pike? Well, I think there's always a, a focus and importance on that job matching component because it's so integral, right, to what recruiters do on a daily basis. So, any improvements that are happening, and I think there's a variety of things that are getting deployed from this AI, machine learning, you know, kind of incorporating some of those models. And, and technologies in this space. So I'm excited about what the future brings in that regard because any improvements there, I think, are going to have a big impact on how effective right, staffing and recruiting firms can be because it's so tied closely to what staffing and recruiting does. Um, yeah. 
then the, another kind of trend that I'm seeing emerging and I'm, I'm really enjoying is most people now in other walks of life, right, are expecting ha- having power to control preferences, to control, you know, enable self-service, to be able to kind of access things digitally, right? And oftentimes, staffing and recruiting has lagged behind kind of other industries and markets. So it's exciting to me to see some of that shift in the client and candidate uh, kind of pools and in their expectations because it's pushing staffing and recruiting firms to elevate their offerings and, and to really kind of do things the right way, but also unlock uh, those kind of key components that have been very successful in other industries. Again, and is that applicable, do you think, to smaller companies and independent recruiters as much as it is to larger agencies uh, and big box recruitment companies? I think so. And oftentimes, I think it's easier for small and mid-sized companies to get there because they don't have to worry necessarily about a lot of complications or edge cases or multiple um, geography zones and things of that nature. So oftentimes, they're able to be more nimble and kind of, and make those things happen. And then, I mean, almost all of the technology that I've seen um, or, or anything that you need to cover in any of those areas, you know, does their pricing in a way where it is still affordable for the small and, yeah. and medium-sized business. Yeah. Can you talk specifically about Herefish for a minute and the power that you can harness when you use Herefish, which has been purchased by Bullhorn, right? Yeah, yeah, it, that's that's correct. So we're rebranded the Bullhorn Automation, but Herefish will always have a, a place near and dear to my heart. Um, so I was uh, one of the very first and earliest clients of Herefish as far as from a staffing, back in my staffing days experience. But I also, I, when I joined the team, I was the first full-time employee of Herefish. So um, I've been there nearly since the start. Um, and we got acquired by Bullhorn about three years ago. Um, and, and then obviously, we've um, lots of, of great things have happened since where we are uh, kind of working together, incorporating into other areas inside of the, the Bullhorn marketplace and ecosystem to unlock automation and efficiency you know, for, for our clients. Yeah. Um, what are the, the temples of the functionality that you offer at Herefish? So it's, it's similar and kind of harkens back to those pillars of automation. So there's a big engagement and communication piece. So around automation, uh, emails, text messages, and uh, surveys or chats where you can you know, gather feedback, do database writebacks, things of that nature. There's the whole um, kind of database side of things where you can make data updates and have either candidates or clients update their own data. And then the third piece is just unlocking greater efficiency uh, for recruiters. So um, managing tasks, for example, uh, getting notes in the system when certain things occur, and then providing them alerts, notifications when key things are happening. Uh, so those are kind of the three tent poles around where clients derive value. Do you have any sort of calendaring functionality? We do. We actually have our own calendar that will be le- released this quarter where uh, can is similar to like a, a Calendly or, or something. I mean, Microsoft Teams is something as well where you can you can send that link, somebody can click it, and then self-schedule uh, kind of a, a two-way meeting to, to make that whole process more efficient. Yeah. One of the mental blocks that I have about doing things at scale is that personally, when I receive what looks like an automated message, I'm, I don't feel compelled to answer it because I know that it wasn't necessarily specifically aimed at me. It, it's aimed at a thousand people. What would you say to a recruiter like me 
who says, I'm, I'm nervous about doing this stuff at scale because, you know, I've always been about personalization and proving to my prospect or whomever I'm reaching out to that it's actually them that I want to speak to. And, and I think, you know, the danger of all of this is that you start to dilute that, that power that you have, that personal power that you have in the market. Yeah. And I think this, this is a great example of there's some things that should be automated and some things that shouldn't. Uh, you know, so like an example where you're trying to hyper-personalize and make that connection is an example where automation isn't a great avenue to achieve that or you should, you should, you should do that personally. But if your day is taken up with activities that take you away from that, that's where automation can help you because it can free up time where you can get to that more. But this also goes back to the data kind of side of things. If, if, if your database is sparkling with great information, then you can segment and do things in a way where it does feel very personalized, maybe not as personalized as if it was coming individually and you took the time to craft a great message, but still much better than just you know, where it's readily apparent that it was sent to a thousand people with the same message. So you can do some things to make that better. And then the last thing I would say is there are many stages in the recruitment lifecycle that even getting a very clearly automated message is much better than not getting anything at all. You know, so think about placement touch points. Think about you know notifications on where you are in a sales cycle or or getting sent out or submitted to a client. Like not hearing anything is much worse than getting updated information, even if you know it's automated, about where you're at in the process. I totally agree with that. And uh, I was talking to James Parker at Tropic about this and the process of automating what happens when you apply for a job. I mean, you should immediately receive something back to say, thank you for applying. Here's some more information about the company if you want to do some more research mm. and stuff like that to really start to get the juices flowing and, and get people excited about the opportunity that they've applied to. Um, so that's good. And I think what you're saying about segmentation is important as well. But the trouble is with recruiters, us recruiters, and I'm guilty as anybody, is the amount of information that we don't put into the database. I mean, recruiters are famous for putting just, you know, the minimal amount of information about their candidate, you know, a couple of tags, pass the resume and just hope that the database does all the hard work for you. Um, that passing process is pretty powerful these days. Um, and that should enable you to do some segmentation as well. But um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I think that's probably the number one fear that independent and boutique agencies have is, you know, where should I begin to automate where it won't dilute my brand, you know? Yeah. And I, I think this is where you can also use like reminders and notifications, because even if you don't want to send any automated communications out, automation can still play a really impactful role for you. Because number one, it can reduce your data entry. Mm -hmm. right? it, can, it can reduce that manual stuff that, like you mentioned, no recruiter likes to do. But then number two, it can remind you when you've forgotten or you're not sure what you need to do. It can kind of give you a game plan of, you know, here are your next candidates that are coming off of assignment. Reach out to them, see if they're interested in another role. So even if that's not an automated communication, you can still tee up all of the personalized conversations that you should be having, and you can ensure that those don't fall to the wayside or, or not forgotten. That's an excellent point, because I think we're always tempted to believe we can remember everything we do. We can remember the conversation, and I'll call you back tomorrow. Um, but if you leverage some of this technology just to set your day up for you, all your reminders, all your notifications, all your follow-ups, 
then you can sleep a lot better at nights as well. Um, so you have to trust the system and utilize the system and then it will deliver back to you um, all the information you need about being successful the next day. Yeah. And that's, that's where I think recruiting best practices and strategy come into play because you know, there's, there's certain elements where you want, you know, those, you want your recruiters to kind of go through a process, go through like one example I'm thinking of here is like top of the funnel, you know, getting interested candidates or clients like that, that could be a good opportunity to do some things at scale. And then once someone has qualified or indicated that they're interested in a certain way, that could tee up right to then kind of a handoff to a more personalized approach where then you're engaging the recruiter. But then the recruiter is really excited because they're getting notified, they're getting handoffs from people that are qualified and have already kind of gone through some of those preliminary steps. Yeah. Yeah. Where does LinkedIn sort of fit into all of this? Does it fit in nicely or do you think automation and AI is providing LinkedIn with a challenge now and offering us different ways to do the job without just, you know, solely depending upon our LinkedIn recruiter accounts? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the biggest benefits I've seen is when you have confidence in your own data, then that's the first place you look to source from. And that oftentimes is a very different reality than most staffing and recruiting firms because most firms want to look externally first because they trust updated data on LinkedIn or on Indeed, for example, more than their own. So if you can build that confidence in your own database, then that's that's a great kind of result is very impactful. Absolutely. Because those are people that you've previously touched or had conversations with or had interviews with. Um, and so you, if you have all that data, then you're in much better shape to reach out to people who are already familiar with your brand. So that, that is important. So any of these tools that help you really smarten up and tidy up the data inside your ATS, I think are definitely well worth taking a look at, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Is, is there anything we should be afraid of in all of this or is it all good news? Well, I think, I don't think there's anything to be afraid of, but I think there should be caution in that staffing automation is not a magic tool. So it's not a magic bullet. It's, it's a tool and any, like any other tool, it's all on how you use it. Yeah. Right. So I would be very cautious if you think that staffing automation is just going to magically, because you have it, going to make all your problems disappear. That's just not going to be the case. Right. Okay. But it's important to get in the game, have conversations. How can people reach you, Billy? So I'm found, I can be found on LinkedIn. I like to try to pass along my staffing automation knowledge. Uh, Weekdays, I I do a staffing automation post. You can find me there. Uh, We have a a YouTube channel you could also check out, uh, email, a variety of ways people can find me. Right. Billy Davis at Herefish by Bullhorn. Um, And yes, I will sign up for your weekly automation newsletter immediately. Um, Thank you so much for coming along Recruiting Trailblazers today and giving us the benefit of your expertise in automation and AI. And uh, we'll keep in touch and speak again soon. My pleasure, Marcus. Thanks for having me and a big fan of the Recruiting Trailblazer podcast. Thanks, man. Really enjoyed the previous episodes. Brilliant. Appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Cheers.